2: were in Iran and a born again follower of Jesus Christ, you'd understand this passage very easily because there'd be few followers of Christ and you'd be in danger most of the time in your life. So understand very different. If you were an Indian, same way, very small percentage of believers. So you're looking for anybody to be a friend, to encourage them. Way different in the world that we live here in the United States. People everywhere, all over, thousands of people on this campus on a weekend.
0: If you're one of those people who think that the idea of rugged individualism is an idea that can be brought into the church, you've got a problem. (laughs) You see, the Bible shows time and again that people need each other. God said about Adam that it's not good for him to be alone, so he created Eve. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about friendship from God's perspective. You'll find out what it means to be a brother or sister in Christ and your responsibility, yes, responsibility, to your fellow brothers and sisters. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 13 as he begins his message, Open Heart, Open Home.
2: chapter 13. How many of you have been to this city? Philadelphia. It's called the city of what? Brotherly love. Yeah, brotherly love. Well, that's what the study's all about. Philadelphia was nowhere in sight when Paul wrote this, but as we begin chapter 13, notice this exhortation keep on loving each other as brothers. Unlike the English language, the Greek language, which was basically the language of the New Testament, was much more descriptive. There are actually four words, four types of love that are mentioned throughout the New Testament. Agape, as we know, the common one, 1 Corinthians 13, is spiritual love. It's selfless love. It's other-centered love. It's really God's kind of love. You and I can't love that way unless God brings that to us. The next one is the one we'll talk about, philia. It's friendship, brotherly love, love between friends. Storge is a kind of a natural affection. That's love within a family like a parent and a child. Tomorrow, Lynn and I will show storge love to our grandkids and whatever. And then the last one, eros. Passionate love, simply our sensual desire, the God-given sex drive that is a beautiful gift from God. Now, Warren Wearsby says this, the emphasis in this last section, or this last chapter of the book of Hebrews, is living out our faith. The writer presented the great examples of faith in chapter 11, encouraged the people to make sure they were running the race in faith in chapter 12, but here in Hebrews 13, Warren Weersby says, He presents the evidence of faith that should appear in our lives. In other words, if we're really walking by faith, here's how the practical life looks. Now, when you look at that first verse, keep on loving each other as brothers, you have to think about context. And context is, what was it saying to the people it was written to in those days? Well, No doubt the writer of the Hebrews knew that many of these Jewish people who had probably were living in Italy came to the Lord, came to Christianity, and when they did that, their families, by and large, decided to have nothing to do with them. We remember that. They were forgotten by their friends. This strong stance that they took for Jesus Christ isolated them from their normal support group, which would have been brothers and sisters, family, relatives, people they'd been with forever. Don't forget, they're Jewish in a Gentile nation. So the writer says, notice, keep on loving each other as brothers. So there would have to be a switch in the brothers and the sisters that they were close with. So the writer really simply says this, don't do life alone. You have to love God and you have to love people. Well, how do we do that? Now, verse 1, that word love in the first verse is not eros. It's not agape. It is that phileia. It's the love between friends. So by looking at that, it tells us how to do it. It tells us who we're talking about here. We're not talking about, in this particular passage, we're not talking about loving God. We're talking about loving one another. A deep-seated affection, not just an emotion, but actually love in action. You see, a lot of people say, well, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then when it comes to having a need, nobody walks out and does it. No, this is, this is love in action. Interesting, the word brother in the same verse in the original language means, from the same womb. But it's really not talking about brothers and sisters from the same family coming from the same mother. It really can mean, in the Greek, the same source. So what are we talking about? John 1.12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So in essence, As you look around, you, we all came from the same womb, from the same source. We all are part of the family of God. So this exhortation is to all of us right here in this room, and those that are, well, brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's an exhortation to love one another. One of the things that Linda and I have noticed over the last probably 20-some years where we visited different countries all over the world, this is an amazing verse, and it's proven itself so many times. I remember the first time we went to Japan, and I taught in a little church in Japan, and we walked into the church. And there was probably 50 people. I had to have an interpreter, obviously, since I don't know Japanese. Had to take my shoes off, taught in my stocking feet, taught with an interpreter. We got done. It was a wonderful time. We sat together and had this huge meal together sitting on the floor. And I began to think, we never saw any of these people before in our life. And yet, there was a kindred spirit. Orland and I were in China. We went and taught 50 leaders of the underground Chinese church. And after a couple hours in there with these people we'd never seen before in our life, they were just like you. There was this unbelievable love. Now, that can only happen through God. You see, we're the same. We're family. Yeah, we might be a little different in our doctrine here and there and the other, and of course, many of the other churches a little bit, but the main key is we're all part of the family of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together. So understand, God put us in his family not to do life alone, to love one another, to continue to love one another. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Now, the writer of the Hebrews is challenging these people to love one another, and he really just means continue on doing it. In other words, keep on loving And the reason he has to encourage us to do that is because all kinds of things can come up in our relationships with people. Hebrews 6.10, if you will. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So the Hebrews were already doing good to the family of God. They were acting in love by helping other people. But remember this, Satan doesn't only attack from the outside. He loves to attack us from the inside. And he loves to bring disunity. And so the writer says, look, you're going to have some issues. Matthew 18 says, you're going to have some issues you're going to have some problems. What are you going to have to do about that? Well, you're going to have to resolve them, and you're going to have to keep on loving each other as friends. We're people in this room. You know as people, all of us can be judgmental. Remember? You see the splinter in your brother's eye. Let me help you with that splinter here just a moment. And you got a log in yours. You see, it's a great picture, but we can be very judgmental. We can also be petty. I have a personal bias about petty. You know why? People that pick over little teeny things within the church, about whatever, doctrine, any kind of little thing, that's not an important thing. It's a gray area. It's whatever. You know why I have a problem with that? I'd love to take them to India one day with me. And outside of that little camp where I'm at in India, there's 150,000 people never, ever heard the name Jesus. And then come back and argue with me about that little thing. You see, it means nothing. And that's why I encourage you to go on a mission trip. When you get out of this little comfort zone that we have, we get to see that the world is plumbing into hell And we're arguing about amazing things that can never be solved. We have them all over the place. Is it baptized in the Spirit or with the Spirit? Who cares? As long as you have the Spirit. (laughs) Well, what about the sovereignty of God and the free will? Can you please put it in four words how to solve it? Look, people have been trying to solve that since biblical days. It's never going to be solved. You'll never understand it. We'll never understand it until we get to be with Jesus. He says we see through a glass darkly. So are we going to spend our time doing that? Or are we going to spend our time loving the lost? Don't get me started on that one. Let's go on (laughs) now. We can be harsh. We can be selfish. We can be inconsiderate. We can be proud. You know, we can be very divisive as people. So Paul warns them, be careful now. Love each other. Now, they had some issues in those days. Ours are so complicated today. Do you know in the, in the, in the world, there are more than 39,000 denominations? Jesus help us. (laughs) He wrote John 17, may you be one. I don't know what you do with 39,000 denominations. Now, so remember, first thing to write down, let's defeat Satan. Keep on loving you're going to have to have endurance because we all rub each other the wrong way. We all say something when we shouldn't. We all get off in little tangents, myself included. And we just have to be careful to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus Christ, his life given for us. Now, Psalm 133 is a picture of how it's supposed to work, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers slash sisters live together in harmony. You see, that's the way the church is to flow. And I'm so glad, because of God's grace, in general, we have harmony here. We flow together. You guys are not gripey, complaining about all kinds of stuff. We just flow together. We try to maintain that unity. I learned that from my dad. Hopefully, I've exhibited that to you and to the leadership of this church. Let's just keep Jesus in front, Keep it simple and go for the things that God's asked us to do. And as we do that, the little stuff we don't really care about. And we just do what God asks us to do. Now, very often people will complain that churches or groups, clubs, they're unfriendly, especially when you get this size. Pastor Mark you don't like a big church. And that's fine. I have no problem if you don't like a big church. But don't blame it on the big church. You can like a small church. That's perfectly fine. We have no problem. We have lots of small churches that are really great churches. But it's not the bigness or the smallest that should be the issue. You see, sometimes the problem is not the church. The problem is the individual. There's one quick way to change that label. If you don't like largeness because you think they're unfriendly, there's one quick way to change it. You be friendly. Well, Pastor Mark, that's not what I'm looking for. I know but you be friendly. You see, be a giver, not a taker. Focus on being a friend rather than looking for friends. Make plans to bring people to your house, to go out to dinner, to spend time together. So second, defeat selfishness. This is a reason we're not friendly, because I only want to think about me and not somebody else. Defeat selfishness. Be a giver and not a taker. It isn't long as you develop relationships with people, you'll discover whether they're a giver or a taker. And pretty soon, you don't want to be around the taker because they never give. They always, and we'll say this in a kind way, they suck the life out of people because they just want to receive everything. And you'll see later, they know how to abuse this. So Proverbs 18.24 gives us an example of how to be a giver and not a taker. Proverbs 18.24, New King James, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So, I wrote a quote down that I've used many times before, but I love it. I went outside to find a friend, but could not find one there. I went outside to be a friend, And wow, friends were everywhere. Just forget the outside. I went to Calvary Chapel to find a friend, but could not find one there. I went to Calvary Chapel to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. You see, you're the one, I'm the one that has to step forward. C.S. Lewis says it like this. Lovers are always talking to one another about their love. Friends hardly ever talk about their friendship. Lovers are normally face to face, absorbed in each other. Friends side by side, absorbed in some common interest. Now, we've tried to foster that at this fellowship common interest. Lots of times, friendships develop around sports. Magicians, motorcycles, mops, and umms together. Car club, eating, eating is one. You know, calorie chapels. We're definitely into that. And camping, whatever. Lots of you go on camping together. All kind of things. But we've done that, of course, with all kind of things in the men's and the women's and all of those kind of things in the kids ministry. But we also have a commons. We named it commons for a reason. We're all equal. And that's where we go to fellowship together. In the cafe, you get a coffee, you get a whatever, and you sit in your fellowship, and we have a bookstore. We can hang together and get a book, come out and read, and do all those things. Lots of opportunities for you to just put this kind of thing in, common interest. Bottom line, though, what brings us together in this church is not a car club. It's not a book club. It's not a cafe. What brings us together in this church, the common interest is one person. His name is Jesus Christ. He's our head. He's our heavenly Father. That's why we come together. Now, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Understand the context of this again. By the way, if you were in Iran and a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, you'd understand this passage very easily. Because there'd be few followers of Christ, and you'd be in danger most of the time in your life. So understand, very different. If you were an Indian, Same way. Very small percentage of believers. So you're looking for anybody to be a friend, to encourage him. Way different in the world that we live here in the United States. People everywhere, all over. Thousands of people on this campus on a weekend. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Let me just say this. A life without friends is a lonely life. It's a really lonely life. And you weren't designed to do that. Now, here's the thing that we have. There's, there's two admonitions I want to give you before I read this. Number one, our best friend must always be Jesus. See, I can go to Jesus with things I can't go to my wife with. So can you. Second, if you're married, Your best friend should be your spouse. If you've moved away from that, start developing again. Your best friend, if you're married, should not be somebody outside the home. It must be your spouse. Work on it. Ask God to help you. Well, I love him, but I don't like him. (laughs) Work on it. Now, outside of that, we need friends. Some of you, the only friend you have is your spouse. That's not right. Guys, you need some guy friends. Not lots. You can't have lots. But you need a few good friends. I spent time today with Pastor Carl. He's my accountability partner. Lots of hours on the phone. Issues things that we just had to work through. Not with us, but all kind of stuff. You know, church stuff. People stuff. He needed that. I need that. You see, it's things that I don't even mention to my wife or mention to people here. Same with him. You need those kind of friends. Ladies, you need a few friends like that, that you can go to and you can share. So a life without those friends... Is lonely. Listen to the definition of lonely: being without company, cut off from others, sad from being alone, producing a feeling of bleakness or desolation. Man, just reading that makes me sad. Doesn't you? I need to take my antidepressant right now as I read it. Because life is so valuable with friends. Now look at these passages. Verse nine: Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Let me just stop there for a moment. I remember after I had open heart surgery, the first few weeks were really tough at home. And I had the shower. I had this big wound right here that was open. Of course, big wounds on my leg. And I had to shower. You don't even want to picture me trying to do this alone. It was miserable. But I had a friend. It was my wife. She was also a nurse. That helped. A lot. And when I read that verse, it just reminds me things will turn around. Someday I'll be like that with her, and I've had to help her with things or whatever. And that's what this is all about. Notice, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. You say, well, I'm a single parent. Nope, we have friends. They can help you. We're here to help single parents. You're not doing this alone. We're family. We're brothers and sisters. Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone. By the way, verse 11 now, we're moving to husbands and wives. Don't read outside of these verses. Pastor Mark, it's in the Bible. No, get into the context. All right. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands, that's a great picture of God in your marriage, is not quickly broken.
0: Pastor Mark taught today about the different Greek words that are translated love in English. In particular, he spoke about the word phileo, which is the root for the word Philadelphia. Pastor Mark talked about how in addition to having agape, Christ-like love for your brothers and sisters, there needs to be a friendship aspect to your relationships. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Open Heart, Open Home. He'll be sharing the importance the Bible places on friendship. He's not going to pretend that all people are perfect. You know they aren't. You'll be reminded that you aren't either and that this is a chance for you to extend grace to those around you. And maybe they'll do the same for you. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a herd.